Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved today. I have the great pleasure of chatting with somebody else called Lee, and this doesn't often happen. So Lee Chambers, psychologist, founder of Essentialize. How the devil are you? Not too bad, Lee. You know, two Lees for the price of one you're getting today. Yeah, yeah there you go. Bargain. Bargain. Um, so for those people who don't know who Lee Chambers is, who is Lee Chambers and how has he got to that seat that he sits in today? Right. Yeah, well, it's, it's been a journey, Lee, to be honest. Um, I think the, the easiest way is to kind of give you give you a bit of a whistle-stop tour of my 36 years on this planet. And then we can dig into some of the, those different aspects, some of those ups, some of those downs. But basically, Perfect. I was born and brought up in Bolton, uh, grew up on a council estate. My parents were teenagers when they had me. Uh, so I suppose from that perspective, I was kind of looked at, if it was a data point, probably wasn't going to amount to much. But my parents, you know, give me a great kind of work ethic. They worked really hard, uh, showed me and gave me a platform to do quite well in education. Uh, first one in my whole extended family to university, which was both a privilege and a lot of pressure. Uh, that pressure got a bit too much in my second year. Had some significant mental health issues, ended up in a pretty deep, dark place and falling out of university. But ending up back home, having to try and build myself back up, start again. Uh, took some time, but I got back to university and graduated and showed that you can go through challenges and, you know, come out the other side and find a way to make something positive, even when things don't go the way you intended. Uh, got myself on a graduate scheme, which was great. Again, you know, potential of being the first professional in the family, building a career, being able to support them. Uh, good example for my brothers, but I graduated in 07 and then the credit crunch pulled my grad scheme halfway through the first year, uh, leaving me back home, no idea what to do, uh, really kind of wondering what the future was going to hold. Uh, but from there, decided to start working in local government, saved up some money, launched a video game business from my parents' house, um, of all things, to start back in 2008, but it was very much right place, right time. Uh, took off in a big way, took over my parents' house, ended up with me having to move out and, you know, sort my parents out for becoming de facto employees for the first year and a half of the business. Uh, but at the same time, I was still searching, still working in different jobs, seconding myself out to different departments, really on a mission to try and find out who, who am I? What do I like? Why do I like it? What do I not like? Why don't I like it? And got to a point where I couldn't sit there in local government taking a wage while taking away from the business. Uh, went working for a career charity for a year. And that really helped me to start to think about, hmm, I find a lot of joy in helping people through their challenges. Made me start to think about and put some of the bits in place for the business that I have today. Ultimately, that kind of journey took a little bit of a turn when in 2014, I lost the ability to walk. My immune system failed. And that really forced me to stop and reflect on everything that I'd been through, what I'd learned, the things that I hadn't really paid attention to. Um, and at this point in my life as well, my son was 18 months old, my wife was six months pregnant, and I was supposed to be there, be present, be the one helping. And I was completely 
completely disabled at this point and lost all my independence. Uh, it took a year to get back walking again properly. That was a journey in itself, but my daughter was born just a few months into my recovery and gave me a hell of a lot of reasons to make sure that I was getting myself back to as good a place as I could. And from there, I then decided to actually scale down my business a little bit and spend four years as a stay-at-home dad and working and running the business early in the mornings and late in the evenings. Uh, but through that period, got to a point where I was like, I'd rather have a business that makes an impact on the world. I'd rather have a business that gets me incredibly excited every morning and deciding and thinking, I've got lots of skills. I've got industrial knowledge from a variety of industries. I've got some academic and technical expertise in how people's minds work, how people's bodies work, how we can you know, reach our potential and performance as humans. And I've got some lived experience of stuff I've been through that will make for engaging stories and open up conversations, but also humanize me a little bit about not being up here. Because actually I've been up, I've been down, I've been somewhere in the middle, and I've been in some trenches, but also stood on some mountains. And that obviously formed the basis for Essentialize to become what it is today. And when my daughter started school in 2019, I thought, well, it's time, time to go and execute all these ideas. And that takes me to the seat today. Businesses, you know, 18 months after launching, been some ups and downs, won some awards, had some bad days, but ultimately, uh, I suppose I enjoy what I do. I enjoy the people that I do it with. And more than anything, you know, I'm making a difference and that makes me feel great. It also makes me wake up in the morning and think, what am I going to achieve today? So, yeah, that's wow. my kind of whistle-stop tolly. Wow. What a journey. What a journey that is, Lee. So, I guess, and I've got loads of questions. Um, and I guess, I want to just start with just essentialize just for the start. Um, what does essentialize mean to you as a word and also a business? Yeah, so essentialize is, I suppose, my kind of realization that throughout all these challenges that I've had and throughout the life that I've lived, there's only actually a few essential things that we need to take notice of and work on. We only ever need to work on a few essential things at a time. And whether that's in your business, for your health, for your happiness, for your family, there's only ever a few things. There's so much noise in the world that we've got today so many opinions, so much advice. But actually, so often, you just need to focus on a few simple things and find a little bit of curious encouragement to, you know, to be surrounded by, to ask you and probe you in different directions. So for me, the whole idea of essentializing your health or essentializing your business, it's actually stripping back a lot of the complexity and realizing there's just a few simple things that will ultimately make you become who you want to be or help you to build the business that you want to create. And we take that into businesses from a, from a well-being and inclusion perspective because there's so much out there. It can feel overfacing, overwhelming and extremely complicated. But actually, at the heart of it, from a well-being and inclusion perspective, you need to start with just a few simple things and they make an absolutely massive difference. And yeah, we like to cut through that noise and actually find those few essential things that are going to bring you a lot of value. Perfect. So you, you mentioned from a personal and a business perspective there in, um, in, in your answer. Do you know what those few simple things are for people and for businesses? Or do you let people explore and work out what they are for themselves? Yeah, so I think the beauty is every business and every human being is individual. 
So what we don't do is go in and say, right, no, these essential things are this, 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 and this. Now, for example, in a business, you've already got an idea that you essential business processes, sales, marketing, operations, finance, they are kind of the essential things. But within your business, there are essential things within each of those processes that are unique to you as a business. And obviously, when we look at well-being, within a business perspective, there's a few essential things that are going to make a massive difference to you, but you need to be able to define those because to be told those, again, it's not personal bespoke to you. It doesn't help you generate the outcomes that you're looking to achieve because more often than not within a business, you already have the answers within the business. They're just stuck amongst the noise. Same as an individual, those few things that are going to help you move towards your potential that are going to get you to the place where you want to be, whether it be health-wise, you know, relationship-wise, friendship-wise, you know, recreation-wise, there's a few things. And technically, they're already inside, you already know them, but there's just so much. You can't actually see and pick them out. And that's that's really what we help people do because everything is bespoke. The yeah. truth is there is no five-step system for you to become this, even though someone will try and sell you that for... 997 on the internet and tell you they can shortcut anything so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no completely completely resonate with that so I, I facilitate and deliver business change and, and I think there's so, there's so many uh, and what you said about people are individual teams are individual businesses are, are all different made up of people with their own individual experiences that have created their own belief system that gets them to that play there there and then and they've got their own definitions for, for certain words and, and stuff so not fully resonate with that what what are the essential things for you, Lee? Um, so for me, kind of thinking about how I, you know, approach the world, one of the essential things for me is sleep because I am a different person if I've had a bad night's sleep. And that's kind of my essential self-care habit. Thinking about me from a, from a, like a, a professional perspective, one of the essential things for me is making an impact in my work. Like, I had a business that shipped video games around Europe. That was great. It didn't make an impact. It just delivered some entertainment to people's doorsteps or consoles. And that realization hit me along that journey that actually I was doing something that wasn't igniting a purpose and a positive impact. So now when I'm looking at the work that I'm doing, I get to see the impact of delivering and seeing strategies coming into place employees you know being able to access and engage with things and for me it's like that impact is something that lights me up that makes me excited that keeps me working optimally so it's just kind of seeing and looking at yourself there's there's those values within you that you want to kind of switch on and there are a few essential things that i'll switch those different aspects on in different areas of your life you can get clear on those you can effectively start to build those up to a point where you actually start to feel you know, within yourself, that you can really achieve so much more than you thought you could and yeah. more than you believed. I love that. I love that. And your journey is one of, of and I think you said it as well, is, is a lot of highs and lows. Um, the, the returning to your parents, the two or three times that, that you said, um, um, the, f- the first time when you were at university and then and you, and you said about the, the mental health uh, challenges and things. And how, how have you managed to keep keep picking yourself back up and keep going and then trying something different and then maybe not 
necessarily succeeding in it and then picking yourself back up again and, and going again and then losing the ability to walk and then and then still having the desire and determination to um to keep going yeah so i think there's probably a, a few threads that run through that lee the, the first one is that these things didn't just happen and then i was like oh it's happened right off i go i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna I'm gonna come back stronger yeah. um you, you have to kind of hit those points where you're honestly asking yourself like why me why now and have that moment with yourself where you're like this isn't fair I'm, I'm unhappy about this but what i realized is that if i suppressed those negative emotions and didn't find a place of acceptance i couldn't move through i just extended my suffering so i started to understand that you know in the first real big challenge that i had what i'd done is starting to avoid everything and by avoiding everything i hadn't been able to accept where i was and things just got worse and worse and worse so i managed to step back and see that in in the kind of the cold cold light and realize that I had to find a place of acceptance. And that would mean practicing, expressing negative emotions, whether it be by writing, speaking, doing something creative, uh, even distracting myself, but finding a way to get that out um, would give me a place of acceptance. And then I could commit to try and get back to where I was. Uh, Another thing is support. I've always had a support network. And that for me is absolutely massive. And one of the important things in my work is helping people to see that they, you know, they probably have a bigger support network than they believe, or if they don't, starting to think about how they can potentially build or access that because it plays such a vital role when you're in a difficult place. You have people around you and something there that gives you that kind of feeling of security and the feeling that you're not on your own. You're not just one human being who feels like this, but realizing lots of other human beings do as well. And I suppose for me, thinking about it now, some of the difficulties that I've been through, um, I just I just realised that even though I was I felt like I was failing or things had failed, I've always been quite scientific and quite you know quite quite the philosopher, quite the thinker at times, um, and that's that puts me in some interesting conversations. It also gets me in trouble, uh, but what I started to realise is that. When things didn't go right and when I had, you know, big setbacks in my life, it's almost a bit like experimenting, like being back in that science lab at school with the lab coat on, putting different chemicals in beakers and setting fire to them and thinking, oh, crap, that didn't go. That didn't go intended. It's just burnt half the science lab down, as our physics teacher once actually did when he decided (laughs) we're all going to burn petrol. Um, So, yeah, Um, but that, 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 that takes me back to that idea that ultimately everything's just an experiment and the biggest experiment in life is yourself and I started to take that approach when I was younger okay so this hasn't gone right but okay it's just like an experiment let's try it different let's realize that failure isn't absolute and that actually sometimes failure shows you what not to do in the future it shows you some lessons you can potentially learn and when things go wrong you know what more often than not it's not your fault but you actually have to take ownership over that to be able to get the bits and pieces to see, don't do that again. Maybe consider how that can be useful in the future. And every little bit of you know difficulty, every mistake, every error, every setback has a little bit of something in it that's treasure. I like to think of it as the oyster that gets irritated, that gets a parasite, attack it. It's uncomfortable. It's not happy. It feels like it's the unlucky one. 
but those are the ones that create the pearls. And yeah. ultimately, it's those pearls, that irritation, that you can take from the difficulties in your life. Every single challenge I've faced and every trench I've fallen into, I found a little bit of something in that to take forward to, you know, be more, I suppose, be more myself. And it's built my own awareness because what I found was when you're successful and when everything's going your way and when you feel like you're on top of the world, you don't actually see those elements of yourself and you don't actually learn that much. You don't become self-aware because you become a bit absorbed. And for me, I actually needed that adversity to help me grow. And I suppose just one thing to leave people with is I'm now 70% physically what I was and you know I'm seven seven years into my recovery so I'll never get back to 100% ever I know that I've accepted that but through everything through all those struggles I'm now 200% as a human I've grown mentally I've grown emotionally I've grown as a businessman as a father as a husband as a son so you know what sometimes you've got to look and realize you've got to give a little bit to get an awful lot. Wow. Wow. Really, really powerful. Really powerful. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think when, when you started saying that the things that have helped you, you, know, you said about having a, um, a large support network. And the first thing you said um, about getting it out of your head and you and then you wanted to speak about it or write about it and, and, and get it out of your head. So I'm just going to, three years ago, I lost my, I lost my best mate after his third bite of cancer. And, and what really helped me um, deal with that was getting out of my head and onto paper, right? And or, or like my notes on my phone and things. And it, it turned into, um, I, I mean, I call it poetry, but you've got to have a Charlie accent and you've got to say things <laughs> exactly the way that I say them for them to <laughs> rhyme, right? But I found that in doing that and, and like trying to express my feelings in in a in a written form and getting it out of my head, that that, that really helped me. And some of the most powerful things that I've said have come through the, through those moments of just getting it out of my head. Um, and only after doing it did I realise the power and benefit of doing that. Um, when did you realise that you needed to get out of your head and into some other form to, to start that, I guess, that, that self-care process? Yeah, well, I think, to be honest, what happened at university, and this is, you know, about 15 years ago now, even longer, God, getting old. Um, <laughs> but but it, it was the fact that I'd ended up being extracted from my dorm by security because I'd locked myself away. And all that was, you know, avoidant behaviour. Um, the struggles caused me to start avoiding things. Firstly, it was the social clubs and the groups I'd joined. Then it was my friends. Then it was my job that was supporting my accommodation at uni. And then it was uni itself. So I got to the point where I just locked myself away. And being broken into and taken home, and, you know, being and feeling like I'd completely failed, let my family down, let my friends down, um, kind of put me in that difficult place. But what I realised is that I needed to express, I'd avoided everything, I'd suppressed everything. And it just meant that I'd got into a deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper hole to a point where I couldn't get out. And what that made me think was, well, avoiding things isn't working. So I've got to be able to approach them but when you're in that hole and when you feel a bit broken and very fragile, it's very hard to approach those and speak to people and talk about it openly 
So I actually found that writing gave me the ability to express my feelings without having to do it in front of somebody else. But it gradually got it from my brain onto paper. And all of a sudden, I wasn't avoiding it anymore. I'd written it down. I was approaching it. And that in itself started to give me and make me feel a little bit more empowered to then start speaking about it. It became that bit of a bridge. But it also, you know, created a little bit of a journal for me to see how far I'd come on that journey when I was recovering. And it took six months for me to get back to a, a place where I felt like I could reapply to get back into university and finish. But in those six months, I could see how my emotions started to process by writing about them. And I'd look and flick back to like a month prior and see my emotional state at that point and how I was processing things and realized, you know what, made progress here. And even on those really difficult days where I felt like it was all falling apart again, I flick back to like two months before and just see, I feel like here now, two months ago, I was here. Even though it feels like I've taken a step forward and two steps back, I'm still in a better place emotionally than I was. Yeah. And actually look at the progress that I've made. And it made me realize that again, Lee, that it's not, it's not a straight line. No recovery is a straight line. It's, it's like peaks and troughs. And I remember like reading something at the time that really solidified this in my mind. And it was life is ultimately full of peaks and troughs, ups and downs. But you've got to think about it like a heartbeat. If on an ECG, you've got the peaks and the troughs, you're living, you're alive. If you've got a flat line, you're dead. Yeah. So that kind of stuck with me. And made me realize that actually it's natural to have those, you know, waves coming in, waves going out. It's natural for things to kind of ebb and flow. But if you start to express that, you'll start to get an understanding of where you are on that ebb and flow. And actually, even when you're having a bad day, you'll know that it's going to come back up again. And that gives you hope and optimism for the future, even when you're struggling and for me, that was how I started to be able to accept and express myself. And I, I've used that again when I got made redundant. I used it again when I became unwell and my immune system failed. And using that helps you get to a place of acceptance where you no longer generate so much resistance. You continue to suffer. But actually, it allows some of that pain to start to be able to set you free and actually opens you up to start to be able to see, well, how have I post-traumatically grown through the difficult experiences I've faced? Yeah, wow. Wow. If you could give, in fact, two, two pieces of advice to two separate, um, well, so Lee from the university days, knowing what you know now, what would you say to him if, you were, if he was in front of you? Yeah, so what I'd say to him, Lee, was, Lee, you don't need to have it all worked out. You're not a failure. Things have just not gone to plan. But when things don't go to plan, it opens up opportunities and other pathways for you to explore. And don't worry, you'll never have it all figured out. And you're not letting anyone down. You're just making your way in life. And maybe this is just another opening for a pathway and an experience that in 15 years, might actually bring you back full circle to where you thought you were going in the first place. Yeah, love that, love that. And then the lead that was successful with the video games business, 
Um, everything was going really well. Um, what advice would you would you give to that, Lee? Uh, so I'd actually say to that, Lee, slow down and reflect on where you've got to from where you've come from. Remember that success is something that is subjective. And if you don't take the time to actually define that for yourself, you'll end up being chased by your own success because the reality is that thinking back to those times, I was actually quite scared of what was what was happening because it happened so quickly yeah. and because I felt a bit out of control. So I'd actually, you know, step back to that Lee and say, slow down, yeah. think about, you know, what success means and realize again that it's gonna it's gonna ebb and flow. And you're at the top of the mountain now. So start to enjoy that view because yeah. life is gonna come. Adversity doesn't discriminate. And the view right now is great, but you need to just slow down a bit and envision it. And you just used the word success then. Um, has your definition of success changed through the different experiences that you've had? Uh, so it's definitely it's definitely shaped, moulded, uh, but also become more flexible. I think a big thing for me, Lee, was that when I started that video game business, uh, a lot of people doubted I could do it. Um, I'd had a discussion with a business mentor only a few years before because I'd written a business plan for that business two years before I actually ended up launching it. Um, but I'd had people suggest that I might struggle in that particular industry. That was too young. I wasn't experienced enough, didn't have a network. I was, you know, I was diverse. I had an attitude. There was a lot of thoughts that people had kind of put into that matrix for me to not be sure whether I could do it. But when I launched it, I was determined to prove them wrong. That in itself gave me an awful lot of fuel, an awful lot of motivation. Um, but that also drove me to become a little bit tunnel vision with it, a little bit like it's about me proving them wrong rather than it's about growing a sustainable business. And ultimately, it's easy to get you know blown away. Because again, I'm from a low socioeconomic background, never really had much. And all of a sudden, I had you know more money than I could realistically spend. And I never became someone who was overly flamboyant, but it, it made me feel made me feel a bit unsteady, made me feel in a place where I didn't expect to be and a place that I'd never been before. And it was it was a whole new kind of scenario. So kind of looking back and reflecting, uh, when you first run that business, my success was based on uh, validating that I was a success to other people who doubted me. And actually now my definition of success is molded towards, you know, being a good role model for my children. It's molded towards being someone who is impactful. And more than anything is become about my success and fulfillment comes from showing and helping other people, empowering and enabling them to go through change, to go through adversity and be able to see that there's so much more on the other side. And you know what? That's a legacy worth leaving. Because, you know what, the day that I die, Lee, and I'm there in a casket, do I want people to say, oh, well, he had a, he had a nine-figure business? No. Do I want people to say, he had 10 million followers? No, it's just all vanity metrics at the end of the day. It's just some numbers. But what I would like is some guy down the street who I don't know very well to see me being driven past in a hearse and say, yeah, that Lee... He gave back to his community. He was a good guy. He was. He was. He lived with morals, and he was helpful, and he was kind. 
that's that's the legacy that I want to leave behind, and that is the the metric of success that I live by today. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Really powerful. And and I think that to get to that clarity, it sounds like that your journey has helped you get to that. And that sounds like if I was if I was speaking to me nan um, or speaking to me me parents and things that that's the kind of thing that they would they would hope that 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 I would be I would develop to be and and, and provide. Um, what? How would how do your parents sum up your journey? Um, I think my parents are quite they they feel and, and ultimately say that me and my brothers, so I've got two younger brothers, yeah, and none of us have followed traditional career paths. I mean, to give you an idea, my middle brother uh, moved out to Thailand, uh, created a cryptocurrency business uh, five years ago. And has done very very well for himself from that. Uh, but before that, he'd kind of he was he's working at Sports Direct and just milling about. Yeah. Um, so it, it gives you an example of what we're like. My younger brother decided not to go to university, self-taught himself Japanese, then moved out to Japan and became a native English to Japanese interpreter for for the video game industry. So lots of Japanese video games on the shelves. He's done the English translations for. Um, but he's also gone on his own journey, went out to join my other brother in Thailand, working with him. Now he's come back and he's at the University of Central Lancashire studying machine learning and artificial intelligence. So wow, we're a, we're a bit of a crazy bunch. Uh, but my parents are very proud of all of us for going through difficult times. And they've seen each of us struggle at different points. And they've openly said in those periods, they worried for us. They worried would we make it out the other side? But now they reflect back on three sons, you know, in the 30s doing completely different things, but all carving out their own purpose and their own meaning. And, you know, they, they, in some ways, they pat themselves on the back. None of us are in jail. None of us us are in trouble. And, you know, we've all managed to keep ourselves on on the right side of things while, you know, making a difference in the world and doing different things. So my parents, they're very proud. And ultimately, you know, they gave us the stable foundations and showed us the reality. My dad used to work 12-hour shifts as an engineer. There was a time when my mum was working three jobs to make sure, you know, we had a roof over our heads, food on the table and something nice at Christmas. So, you know, they they gave up elements of their younger life being teenagers when they had us. So, again, I kind of see some of those sacrifices because... They weren't out partying when the mates were. They were looking after looking after us. So, yeah, wow. there's, uh, there's there's some respect there. But they see us as uh, a representation of, of some of their sacrifices when they were younger. Yeah, I, I think. What do you think um, that they? So, how, how did they light the fire in the three of you to actually to not conform but be find your own paths? Do, do you know what what what? Yeah, what was it? What was it? Yeah, I think they always championed our strengths and we all have different strengths. Um, But I think one of the things is we all took an element of realising that when we were younger, they were out working an awful lot. And that's made all three of us feel a little bit, a little bit resentful of the system where our parents would be, you know, working and we'd end up, you know, being looked after um by our grandparents for example and I suppose a big part of it for me was was realizing that I didn't see my parents as much as I wanted to when I was a kid 
especially my dad. And by the time he'd done his 12 hour shift, he was knackered and thinking, is there a way that I could use some of my strengths to build something so that when I had children, I was around a lot more, didn't want to replicate some of the things that I'd not liked as a kid, as an adult. And I think that me being, uh, so I'm four and a half years older than my middle brother and seven years older than my youngest. So they kind of saw me go out there, take that very traditional graduate scheme pathway and get spat out when they were still at school. Yeah, And that made them feel, wait a minute, well, if Lee's gone and done it and it's not worked, then maybe we should start to think a bit alternatively as well. And they're from a generation that does feel sometimes a bit younger than me. They're, I'm an early millennial. They're late millennials. Uh, and the world changed a lot for them. You know, I had, I had an analog childhood and then digital adolescence, but they're young enough to have had those digital aspects from a much younger age. And they just kind of started to access a world where they could see there was more options. More than anything, I'd started to show that that was possible. And both brothers went out and, you know, worked an ordinary job. Ben at Sports Direct, Lloyd at RBS, and both found that don't want to work nine to five for a, for a, a big organization. It just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't interest us. We just, basically, my youngest brother went working for RBS and he said, look, I see the people in the office, they, they hate it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't want to be like them in 20 years, sat there working, but, you know, feeling, feeling resentful every day. So they've both taken the wrong path. And yeah. that is something that, you know, in this modern world, especially with the great resignation right now, Lee, the big quit, yeah. whatever, however they entitle it, there are a, a lot of people moving industry, a lot of people thinking about the values they've got and setting up themselves. And a lot of people just in that transition point thinking, what's next? Is what I've done, you know, it, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, do I feel value? I'm a, I'm a fulfilled or is there something else I can do in my life? Yeah, love that, love that. What lessons do you want your children to take from you? Because if you if you took the lesson from your parents that that actually you wanted to not create that situation, and that's what's now um, created part of the fire within within you and your brothers, what do you want your children to take from you and your journey? Um, well, the beauty is that they were part of me, you know, and saw me when they were very young, struggling, and now I'm in a different place. But I do want them to see that those four years that I took, you know, where I, I, I kind of removed some of my business responsibilities and spent an awful lot of time with them. I hope and I know the bond I've got with them is because of that period. Yeah. Uh, but I also want them to kind of see that for me, I'm very much looking at how we can create a more equitable society. I'm looking at some of those barriers and obstacles that other people face that I haven't. Also looking at some of the ones that I have, and I hope that they see that and realize that they can also be part of that conversation around looking at the environment and seeing what they can do around assisting other people. And ultimately, I think they'll also see that sometimes I'm not as present as I should be at the moment, given how you know the business is growing. And sometimes I'm probably not as patient as I should be. And I think that they will probably see that and there have been times when I've apologized to my own children for not being there over the past two years, because for the, for that first four, I was there, I was available and I was there and present on, you know, a lot more. 
So I want them to see that, you know, the the effort and the momentum I'm building at the moment is it's a little bit of a trade-off and that will swing again. Yeah. But I want them to kind of see that that investment and spending time and building those bonds is something that you can never get back later on or by any amount of money. And I hope that they, you know, see that and remember that. But more than anything, I just want to help them to become independent adults in an increasingly dynamic world. And we do a lot of stuff together around mindset and around uh, around even stuff around algorithms as a language because it's the future and, you know, just trying to prepare them, but know that they've got so much to bring just kind of makes me realize they're going to achieve a lot more than I will. And that's really what I hope for them. Yeah, love that. Love that. What's next for you, Lee? Um, so there's, there's quite a few things, Lee. Uh, I'm writing and co-authoring a book with an American psychologist, and that'll be due quarter two next year. Um, behind the scenes. Uh, so it's uh, the Millennial's Guide to Wellness. Wow. So it's very much focused on, on our generation uh, how digital came into our world uh, and how some of the challenges we have of being a bit of a sandwich generation at the minute in the workplace, financially, and all the different expectations that impact well-being and wellness, uh, looking at it from an inclusive perspective and also looking at it from a cultural US to UK perspective as well. Um, so that's definitely worth a, worth a purchase if you're interested in that kind of a segment of well-being but it does look across the board and really kind of focuses in on those who are between 20 and 40 um as well we've got um there's a new company that's being built behind the scenes can't tell you too much about that at the minute but that's can, very can hint focused on human performance is okay. where i can uh, i can give you a bit of a taster and it's uh there's a lot of cutting edge stuff involved in that so for those of you who like to push those boundaries that's going to be exciting uh, but for Essentializely, we're continuing to work with SMEs and some even some FTSE 100 companies to help them get in the well-being and inclusion to become effective, to make sure it's measured, it's embedded, that it's engaging when it's delivered, and that it's evidence-based at source. So it's actually something that is being built specifically for your company. It has bespoke elements, but more than anything, you'll be able to see the impact on your KPIs You'll be able to make a sustainable business case to keep it funded how it needs to be and have the budgets in place. And it will take away some of the legwork for HR, but ultimately it'll help a company to be more productive, see how you can use wellbeing as a tool, as a competitive advantage, while giving your employees access to some cutting edge stuff, which will really help them to perform both in work and out of work. Amazing. You've had you've had such a journey. You've got an inspirational story and an impactful message and, and and a legacy that you want to leave behind i guess the um the one question i do want to ask is what are you having for your tea lee well i'm actually going out for tea in manchester oh are you? and you know what it's going to be a I think it might well be steak oh oh that's a strong Ooh. choice isn't it a strong and it's choice. not even on my bill either so yeah amazing amazing I'm going all in yeah <laughs> i love that love that steak oh no good good really strong choice and if people want to find out more about you lee or essentialize and, and and all of the exciting things that you've got going on where would they go what would they do what would they find uh, so the best places to go would be to either of my websites you've got leechambers.org and there you'll find out more about my story, the different businesses I've been part of, 
And, you know, you'll generally see a lot of the media stuff that I do. And for more business stuff, essentialize.co.uk. A new website is being built. So what you'll see is the previous version at the moment. But what it does have is links to all my social media uh, details on the business and my blog. And basically, you'll be able to get anywhere from either of those websites to see and fall into my web of what I do. Amazing, amazing. I just want to say, Lee, thank you so much for sharing your journey, your story. Honestly, I think you're an inspiration to 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 cope with all of the peaks and the troughs that you, that you have done and, and, and to be where you are now and also the plans and vision that you've got for your future. So, yeah, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure and good luck. Not that you'll need it with everything that you've got going on. Oh, thank you, Lee. It's been a, been a privilege. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.